Hey listeners, this is John Vogel from the Making Musical Podcast and also the player of Intern Billy for Good Morning New York. I'm going to be in a movie tonight, Thursday uh, night, if you're listening to this on time, in Yonkers, New York, just north of New York City, at the YoFi Film Festival. It's called The Trouble at the Digital Media Arts Center, YoFi Film Festival's Yonkers, New York. Google any of those things and you'll get more information. Troublefilm.com, at Troublefilm on Instagram. This is the Making Musical Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Thrapp. It's Theater Thursday. That means we're out with another episode of Making a Musical. The show follows the development and execution of the new musical, Good Morning New York. We open off-Broadway January 9th, 2020 at the Players Theater, not 2019, 2020. My guest today is John Vogel. Here he is! Comedian, actor, and showrunner at The Pit. He was also in Good Morning New York as an intern. Hello, everybody. I'm back. He's back, and we're talking about comedy today, because if anyone knows comedy, it's you. And that's why I can promise that this is going to be the least funny episode of the podcast to date, because there is nothing less funny uh, than talking about funny. (laughs) Right. I was on a date one time. Actually, a few times. And every time I date Congratulations. someone... Congratulations. Thank you. I was waiting years to go on one. No, and every time, every time I go on a date with someone who starts breaking down the formula of comedy, I immediately check out. It's like, <laughs> it's over. If you're going to break down what's funny instead of be funny, I don't want to talk to you. Right, 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 right. That's the thing. I think I think we spend so much money on uh, classes from the shmoo-shmee-shmee and the pee-shmoo-shmoo-tee um, and the other <laughs> places that sell comedy classes that we get it baked into our head so much and we forget to be funny sometimes. So one, one thing that always stood out, because I've seen... I've seen probably like three or four drafts of the Good Morning New York script at various stages of development. <laughs> um, but I, you know, you wrote it by yourself. And just when you had something sort of finished, that's when I saw it. So I'm curious as to like, what was your process for, because every draft of it um, had a pretty high sort of like joke per minute ratio, uh, which is a hard thing to do as a writer. Now, not all the jokes were funny all the time. <laughs> um, you have to pare it down to the good ones at the end of the day. But it's it's even hard to get that sort of that sort of ratio. So what's what's your methodology to make sure that it stays punchy and and you're at least swinging for funny very frequently in a, in, in something that you sat down and write because that's something that's a bridge people have trouble crossing. Interesting. Well, okay. So for me, um, we actually just our last one of our previous episodes we read the very first draft I ever wrote, which mm-hmm. I, I think it was it was fine. I don't think I was pushing for jokes. So when I write. Um, the main thing I do is I probably should make an outline, but I don't. I just kind of write and let it take me away. So when it comes to being funny, I just write the story and then I add in like jokes as I go. But sometimes I'll save a draft of the musical and then I'll, I'll duplicate it. And then I'll be like, I have a huge direction that I want to go that has nothing to do with the story. So I'm going to go there and put all these weird jokes in. Mm. And so that's why there was a scene where we heightened one time where there's a guy named John in the musical who meets a traffic reporter and we never really saw the scene where they dated so one night I was like I'm just gonna what what were to happen if they were to go on a date and I just went on this crazy adventure as in like make a draft that no one's gonna read and then see if it works and then throw it in so my approach is just 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 keep writing whatever I think is funny to me and then maybe it might make it there's a lot of things that didn't ever make it to anyone's eyes I have so many like drafts on my computer right yeah yeah that's always the case too whenever I write anything um I usually do at least two outlines before I even do a draft 
Mm-hmm. And um, the one of the the main things that's helpful there is while I'm outlining, I just kind of come up with I start to find the characters' voices, you know, because all the characters are supposed to sound at first they all sound like me, um, and that's a problem. <laughs> but they they find their own voices because like as I'm determining characters, I can almost hear their voice in my head saying something that I would laugh at. <laughs> Yeah. Or that I would just find amusing, if not funny. And then I just, eventually I just have like a list of funny things this person would say. And then part of my writing process is then, how do I create scenarios where this person says that? You know, so that 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 then becomes, actually when I started writing comedy, even before I was doing stand-up really, um, this is years and years ago, one one project I did just to sort of prove to myself that I could I could write funny dialogue was... I just set a timer, like on online-stopwatch.com. I set a timer for 50 minutes, and I just came up with a list of laugh lines with no context. Like, just that someone would laugh at. And like, one that popped in my head was just like, dude, that was my sister. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the context is. <laughs> that's just that a punchline. Yeah. It's going to be a different joke based on how you get to it. Right. Because what, the way you get to it in my head is going to be different from the way you get to it in your head. Can you give me an example of your that's my sister joke? Like one of my my sister jokes is I'm always like, yeah, my sister's a slut. <laughs> and like in any context where we're talking about dating, you just throw that in and they're like, whoa, my sister's not a slut. She's quite conservative. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way it worked in my head was it was like two bros and like one didn't realize he was hitting on the other sister. Oh. Which is another, you know, another scenario. But that's those are just two of like twenty that that you could brainstorm out. That's so interesting because I'm going to Iceland next month with my brother, and we're going to go in hostels. But I feel like if I were to meet someone, I've never been in a situation where I would meet someone and have my brother right next to me. I don't think I'm going to meet anyone. I'm just saying that would be fun. Yeah, no, as a brother, that would be very awkward. <laughs> what's I know. That, do you have an age gap? What's the age gap like? Um, I met your brother. You've met my brother? No, you haven't. I thought he was at the stage reading. No. Was that a different? That was my roommate. That was your roommate. Was he the hot one or was he the really hot one? He was pretty hot. So he was <laughs> one of the two. Well, there's one who was my roommate. Tall? Tall guy? Um, but or was he the Taller f- than me? Well, you're a tall guy. I'm a tall guy. So my problem, oh, sure. Then you met you met my roommate. Oh, you met, no, you met my roommate. He seems like my brother. He acts like my brother. That's Francis. Okay. You know, speaking as someone who's written plenty, who's who's dabbled in directing uh, myself, when you, it really drives home that when you're acting, you are out of control. You know, it is not you're 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 just you're just sort of doing a job. You're give, being given lines, and you're supposed to do them. But there are a series of choices that you also make. So a lot of that, in terms of trying to be funny, is saying, okay, well, what's the baseline reality? How normal are these characters? Because rather than being as be taking the normal reaction that a person ordinarily would i might want to do something crazier to amp it up just because by being more different and standing out more you do that but then if everyone's sort of ego out making big actions a lot of times it's funnier to be a little bit more understated and just sort of vanish away just because that contrast is 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 funnier and a lot of what you do wielding comedy as an actor is is making those choices and the director being like ah yes that's that's what i wanted and i didn't even know it yet yeah, because I think that you did that a lot in Good Morning New York as well. You made a lot of strong choices that uh, just heightened the whole Yeah, and, and most of the time, thing. Bridget would just say, uh, yeah, even more. And I'd be like, okay, great. I'll do it. <laughs> that's, that's a good basis to work with the director on. I do think that everyone does have their own form of funny. 
I'll side with you on that. However, when it comes to acting and being an actor, can everyone do that? Or is that a hard question? Everyone can, can play certain characters. You know, everyone can play themselves. Um, not everyone has a huge range outside of themselves. That's true. Some I people have, have range. massive ranges that are bizarre. Um, but I think anyone can be trained to play a character that resembles their tendencies. Um, people or are. if you're in the world of comedy, you can be so bad at even playing yourself that that can be used by an effective director and co-performers. You so, see that on Tim and Eric a lot. Yeah. Um, of just straight up bad actors. <laughs> and then everyone around them is just being normal and it's hilarious. Well, see, I'm a pretty bad actress. I think I'm, I like improv because I can be funny off the script, but I think when I'm on the script, I'm pretty bad. Also, I had a casting director tell me when I acted, I looked really angry. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm not an actor. So when people always say, hey, are you ever going to be in your musicals? No, I'm not. I suck <laughs> at it. Also, Matt Mitchell just joined us. He is a comedian, actor, and light and sound designer <laughs> from Good Morning New York. Hey, Hello. Before we go into my planned topics, <laughs> that was a nice little thing we just did. Yeah, a little, little riff, little diversion. Nice little diversion. Yeah. So before we go into our planned topics... um. I want to mention a few things that we have coming up. Did you guys see our new logo? I did. Yeah, we have a new logo for Good Morning New York. We nice. paid someone to update it. Uh, it looks so, like at least seven extra hours of Photoshop were plugged into it this time around. <laughs> yeah. You got like transparency, you got borders, you've got like dynamic skyline photo in the back. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, and it was also 35 bucks. Yeah. The first one was 25 bucks. This one was 35 bucks, upwork.com. <laughs> they didn't pay me to say that. Now we have to get a new one for the podcast. So we rebranded. We're no longer blue. We're now hot colors like the morning. So the graphic designer, I really like it. Um, I was going to just do an updated version of our blue one that we had, but the graphic designer said, quote, I picked colors that reflect the early morning. I prefer that kind of atmosphere because with warm colors, it gives the sensation of happiness. Otherwise, cold colors transmit coldness and seriousness. Mm. And that is why I pay other people to do things that I don't understand. Yeah, well, I got to say, as you know, all comedians are also uh, armchair graphic designers for some reason. And oh, yeah. I, 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 I respect that. I think that was pretty good. Yeah, I respect that too. Um, I'm very happy that um, I have a strong appreciation for graphic design. So speaking of our new logo, we have the new skyline. The old one didn't really look like New York City either. So now it, we you can actually see the Empire State Building. The other one, I had a woman from Canada make it. Nice gal. But I was sw I swore for the first two weeks that that was like a Canada. It looked uh, Toronto-y. Yeah, it did. I'm like, this is Toronto. This I think is I saw Drake in it. <laughs> yeah and it's a grassy poster yeah oh yeah yeah there you go i always thought i was the only one that watched Degrassi when i was younger and apparently everyone saw it so that i was very sheltered oh so now i have to go back and watch drake's early days i know when he was jimmy jimmy in yeah. a wheelchair and all that played basketball so anyway the official uh, off-broadway logo it's opening we still open about a year away but with that logo we're gonna have shirts and hoodies on sale I'm nice. really excited. So with that said, I'm going to give away a free shirt during the podcast. I'm going to post on Instagram and be like, listen to our podcast and I'll give you a promo code. The first one to post the code under the Insta post gets a free shirt. So who would like to pick the promo code for the winner that they're listening to right now? Whoever sends us this code first gets a free shirt. Oh, 
What's the code? What's the code? I think yeah. it should be flannel because we all wore flannel into the studio today. That's true. We all wear different colored flannels. <laughs> okay. The code is flannel. So the first person to post flannel on our Instagram gets a free shirt of $20 worth in value. It's with our new logo. And you have to spell flannel right. I want to see two N's, okay? Yeah. No slack in here. Yeah, spell it for him right now. F-L. Can I get it used in a sentence? Uh, yeah. <laughs> John is wearing flannel today. Um, can I get the origin? Uh, John is from the South Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> from or the North flannel, Bronx originally. Flannel also from the countryside. Okay, uh, flannel. F-L-A-N-N-E. Come L? on. Come on. I'm not good under pressure. Now, yeah, there you go. We have a winner. We have a winner. Uh, the Scripps National Spelling Bee. I, I, I um, the furthest I ever got in a spelling bee was second place. I didn't. And that's get that crushing, far. by mm. the way. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so there's your promo code. Whoever posts this first gets a shirt. And um, please post that shirt online. Also, while you're at it, like and rate our podcast on mm. iTunes and Spotify and everywhere. Also, while you're still at it, go to our new website. We just updated it with the new logo and everything. You can still buy a shirt for 20 bucks at goodmorningnewyorkmusical.com. Oh, I haven't even seen the new website yet. Oh, yeah. I've I just updated seen the, the new website. logo. Mm-hmm. I've updated everything. Nice. I've been a busy, busy, busy bee. Nice. Um, and then also, considering we launch in 2020, not 2019, the Players Theaters, where we're launching our off-Broadway show, they have some really cool stuff right now. A Christmas kale... Oh, A Christmas Carol opens there later this month. Take the family to see it. John, you actually have something today that's really exciting that people should do. Oh, yeah. Um, in, in sunny Yonkers, just north of New York City at the Yo-Fi Film Festival, uh, the movie that I, that I star in, The Trouble, which we filmed most of it three years ago, and it's, uh, it's out now. It won a bunch of awards at the Action on Film Festival in Vegas. It's very, I, I think you should watch it. It's very good. Um, at 8 o'clock tonight, Thursday night, if that's the night you're listening to this on. If not, it's too late. Uh, <laughs> you can see it at Digital Media Arts Center in Yonkers at 8 o'clock as part of the YoFi Film Festival. Troublefilm.com or at Troublefilm on Instagram are good ways to stay informed. Um, and while I'm plugging, at Vocal Comedy on Instagram, uh, I repost most of the Trouble stuff. But also I post, I don't know, I post something about voting today. I post stuff I think is funny. <laughs> I told everyone that if they vote for the candidates, the exact candidates I want them to, they should go out and vote. And if they vote for anyone else, they should stay home because I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, that's um, very nice. I didn't nice. specify who they were because I'm also uh, trying to market myself. All right. Do you have anything to put? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, do you have anything? Yeah. Uh, November 20th, my pit sketch house team, Run DMV, we have our next show, November 20th, 7.30 p.m. in the People's Improv Theater Underground Stage. It is a free sketch comedy show. Come Ooh. see some free sketch comedy. And also that night, I'll be uh, doing uh, improv with the supergroup Theory. That's uh, uh, Earth's Mightiest Improvisers. Yeah. I'll be at the Pit Loft at uh, 9.30 p.m. November 20th, Tuesday, two days before Thanksgiving, the best holiday. So let's go into our actual topic. Wait, are we plugging our favorite coffee shops? Because <laughs> sure. I will, I will say Gregory's is way better than Starbucks. We've been Bomb plugging dropped. so many things in like three minutes. See, my problem with Gregory's is um, the first and only time I ever got coffee from there. I then walked into the office that I was work, working in, and my my sort of like sales and marketing partner um, that we worked on on stuff with just saw me walking with the branded Gregory's cup, oh. and he was like, "Hey, John, he had this like smirk that I have that's great for radio." 
And he's like, hey, John, hold that cup up. And I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, no, no, no more. Like, up to... I was like, up where? Yeah. Like, up to your face. I was like, not doing it. Because it looks like you. Because it's a guy oh. with glasses and messy hair. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my brand. Oh, yeah. So, All right. And so, then, Mar- then uh, Margot met the actual Gregory. <laughs> well, not met him, but saw there's two Gregories. There's the guy from the cup. And, there, and then there's his like ancient Greek dad. Um, and they co-own the business. And they're doing very well. Margot's his girlfriend, by the way. She was on a previous episode casting. Yeah. The casting episode. Interesting. And well, it turns out, um, yeah, I've also got a very tall and lanky man in the Gregory of coffee fame. I don't want to keep promoting these coffee shops that don't pay us. <laughs> <laughs> so unless they're going to pay us 10 bucks an episode, that's all it's going to cost to promote. Obviously, you guys Hashtag are on the episode. pay it forward. Have to ha- yeah, because it all goes to the show. So if you have a show to promote, 10 bucks and you'll be on the podcast. Yeah. And if, you have, if you're pay. a coffee shop, um, we want to promote coffee shops to the point where we're doing it for free. So please pay us and we'll promote yours. <laughs> they actually offered us coffee. Right now we're at the Anchor Studio, the exclusive Anchor Studio at Anchor FM in New York City. Free studio space for our podcast. I'm very excited about yeah. it. Damn. Yeah. Man. Free studio space. Our podcast qualified to um, be part of one of their... I don't know if it's featured, but one of their, I don't know. Like I don't a promotion, even know. yeah. I don't even understand how it works. I just know that Anchor FM gave us some free studio space to do our podcast in, and they'll continue to do so. We'll plug the crap out of that. And so the only sponsor we have is Anchor right now. But if you want a sponsor, like I said, 10 bucks. And if you're a coffee shop, just give us coffee. That's true. Yeah. I spend more than 10 bucks on that. Right, because yeah. they offered us coffee here, but I'm like, no, thank you. I'm waiting for Gregory's. They offered you coffee. Oh, yeah. Well, I was on time. Wow. Yeah, I was. Uh, I love New Jersey, but when there's a car that breaks out in the tunnel, everything is ruined. Yeah, I get that. All right, so let's go into our topics now. Um, okay, we're talking about comedy and musical theater and theater, and we can go off into sketch. So for me, I love working with sketch comedians and improv comics. I always have in my work because I think that as a writer, um, my stuff, I think it's all right, and I enjoy what I write. But I think that other perspectives that are from very funny people add to it. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, with improv comedians, also with sketch teams, like you're part of a team. Like, like definitely, because I've been in both groups. And like improv, you're definitely trying to achieve like one goal of just like trying to make each other laugh on stage. But then with sketch, it's just a little bit different. Because like you're in their writer's room and then there might be some... Um, concerting or uh disconnecting opinions but ultimately like as long as you have a great director who's able to like mold all together to achieve the goal of making the audience laugh that's that's my goal whenever i'm up on a stage doing improv or if i'm writing a sketch or performing a sketch i want to make people laugh that's my ultimate ultimate goal and um when it comes to like a, a scripted work like a musical yeah like it's Definitely getting those like all those opinions together because that it, it, as long as you all have like a great director, they can tie it all together. Which I, I did very much enjoy working with Bridget. I know I was um, on the technical side of it, but uh, I definitely um, yeah. Shout out to see. Bridget Greeny, excellent yeah. director. Yeah. Uh, hire her. Yeah, hire her <laughs> and uh, and also cast us. Yeah, I cast <laughs> um, just definitely um, just like I think as long as you have a great director, they can really tie everything together really well. That's um, 
yeah, it just makes uh makes 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 a funny happen just when you get some goofy people trying to be goofy, but then uh, also know that uh, there's times where they can't be goofy; they need to be straight. And that that's interesting because we talked about this in a previous episode. I don't know if you were here for this though, John. So you at the end of our show each night would do something hilarious that I didn't write, and we planned it out. So kind of tell people your process as an improv and sketch comedian and what you did at the end of our show that uh, was always a showstopper. All right, so I'll, I'll go with the full process, um, which, which will be fun to watch your expression. Um, so mostly started when we were doing the table read for the, for the pit. Yep, that's the expression I was looking for. Yeah, um, the table read, as we know. <laughs> not my favorite draft of the Or script. no, not the original table read. The, um, the, the, one, the draft that we eventually wound up going with for the pit loft run. The, this first rehearsal when we sat in a studio and circle, circle read. There wasn't a table. Oh, all right. Yeah, carry on. Um, and it was at that point, because we got to that ending monologue that Billy does at the end. And I remember reading that and being like, Oh, I see what this is supposed to be, but it could be a lot funnier. <laughs> yeah, that's and true. and the best part is I my character basically wasn't in the story for like the entire second act, so I was like kind of paying attention um, to what was going on, but I was also like looking at that last monologue and just sort of like doing a bunch of rewrites in my head of like, okay, based on what's going on here tonally, what do I think works? And then I asked you right before it, I was like, hey, I, I thought of something different. Can I try it differently here? And you're like, yeah, sure. Um, and then I did, and everyone laughed, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is going in the right direction. And then I was like, okay, so I want to use what I use there as the new base. But what else was going on? And then as we were sort of rehearsing the whole show together and I kind of saw everything in the context of where it was, I realized it was sort of right at the end of the musical, right where all the, like, the, the music's getting a lot of reprisals and you're hearing stuff again. And I realized like, okay, now all of a sudden this comedic supporting character who you haven't seen in a long time comes out and does a monologue. And I... And I sort of thought back to improv and sketch training of like how powerful the callback is, you know? And I was like, this is a great chance to just listen for the whole show for every joke that landed and that the audience really responded to. And then just call all of those back in the context of, um, a letter being read from one city to another. Uh, but for some reason that character has omniscience, it's not explained or sometimes it was, sometimes it's an explanation. But it, it was a little dynamic because it made every show a little unique. Because one thing we realized, every audience found different things funny. You know, every audience really loved certain characters. Um, some Sometimes the audience would hate certain characters in a fun way, which I think certain characters were, were supposed to get that reaction. And then sometimes they wound up being people's favorite characters, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, it was a different type of joke that made each audience laugh. And rather than trying to just do what's on the page for East One, I was like, let me just sort of halfway improvise a monologue just based on callbacks to what they already liked. And that happened every single show. Like, I had no idea what was coming. (laughs) We just knew that it would end with Love, Billy, and then we would kind of go into the reprise. But it's like, I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. That's I'm sure that was fun for you. (laughs) I I always enjoyed it. And people are always so surprised when they're like, oh, he improvised that entire monologue? That's like a minute or two of just improvisation i mean i'd reuse stuff you know but i would right. yeah but like i didn't have you know i i didn't have anything i said each time right and you yeah. ma- and you made such a good point when you say callbacks because i think that in early versions i never really brought back jokes that much mm-hmm. and even the rewrite as i'm rewriting it now i'm trying to bring more stuff back and, but we're also yeah. doing it with music too yeah so now like with the jokes are coming back in the end and then the music so we're i think the more that we go on the more polished it's becoming. 
Yeah. And And it's an interesting thing with scripted comedy because you see it, you know, in longer form things like musicals or movies or TV shows. But you also see it in even in shorter forms like uh, either sketch shows or even individual sketches where a lot of or especially like stand up jokes at open mics. You'll see people write in a bunch of callbacks that they cleverly thought of. But then the first piece doesn't really land. So now you just have a, a dud of a joke three times over. And, you know, not, not to say that that's not funny or the person writing is not funny because that same joke might crush in a slightly different context. But in this one, now you're married to doing the same joke three or four times and it didn't work the first time and it's not going to work the other times and you can't weasel your way out of it. Because in comedy, there's a rule of three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you guys explain that to people who maybe don't know what that is? <laughs> yeah, it's it's essentially a lot of humor is pattern based. You know, a lot of like funny and laughter is pattern based. And I guess I think that's why three is what gets anchored on, too, because this is one thing you, you learn while performing is like, wow, it, it really does make something funnier when I do it three times. Mm-hmm. And then the audience is like in on it because the first yeah. time it was funny. Then you do it again. They're like, oh, yeah, here it comes again. It's uncanny because there will be times when you're like, that wasn't funny, but you loved it. <laughs> you know, because I did it three times. Um, but the, the the trick is is you want the third one to be the most outlandish because that's that's sort of your that's your that's your moment. That's your moment to like swing and hit a home run. But also a good tip that's been told is like it's the rule that's been told to me is like it's the rule of three plus. So as long as you like the first one introduces the concept, the the second part of it sort of defines it more, like gives it a little more context. And then the third one just completely blows it out. But you get more of those. You can do four, five, six, seven, as long as they maintain the same punchiness as the third. Um, so, like, a lot of people say write three and then try to try to find a fourth or fifth, like, organically as you go. Um, but don't, you know, you'll know if it's funny enough to go past three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I personally, I like it when it's four or five. Yeah. Because like, I feel like there's so much, like the rule of three is like being green in so many people's heads that they expect it. I'm like, no, nah, nah, you can do more than that. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm with Matt on that one. But also, uh, Matt and I are both uh, comedy theater techs, so we see like a million shows a week. Oh, so God, yeah. there's also that. <laughs> we right. like things that change up for me a little bit. Right, exactly. I think I was in like a writing class and they say you d- you do the rule of three, but then the third has to either convince the audience or like take it in a different direction. I might be saying this wrong, actually. This is sketch 101. I'm... I like to, I, I like, one, one thing I like to do a lot, um, especially writing sketches, is for the third one, this kind of, you know, ties into like playing with, with the format. Uh, the third one actually understates whatever's happening a lot of times. Um, so like, You'll look like you're exa- like I'm trying to think of this one this one sketch I wrote where um the idea was it was like a noir setting. Mm. So it was like super noirish off the bat and like a noir monologue. And then like as it goes on, it's like more just noir characters showing up. And then the sketch ends with the the focal character who hasn't said anything besides ordering a beer finally piping up and asking everyone if they've seen the emoji movie. It's like completely out of left field. Yeah. It completely breaks the 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 form the the pattern that's going on, but it's just one cheap laugh, and then you move on to the rest of the show. Right. I wrote a, <laughs> I wrote a sketch one time. It was called "Cover It Up," and it's like with wedding season coming up, you're everyone wants to get in shape, but instead you could just cover it up, and you have a cloth that goes over your belly, yeah. so you, no one can see that you're like slightly overweight. If so, and then the next beat of that would be like 
You don't like your arms either? Just cover those up. Same cloth goes around your arms. You don't like your face? Cover it up. Your face? So that's three. And then and introducing our new swim line. Cover it up pool. And it's just like a person wading in a, the ocean with a blue cloth over their head. Like a tarp. Oh. See, I had an idea for that. That like, what if the third beat was like, now you remember the KKK because you're covering up oh. your entire body. It's like, oh, we got you. Now you're now you're one of us. I thought it was Halloween. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, that's, uh. I I yeah I love it when. Like, when you set up the joke really, really well, like, especially this one, I would love improv the best. Like, all right, give me a base reality. Like, what's going on? Great. Now get stupid. Get so, so stupid. That's, like, my favorite comedy because there's, there's a sketch I wrote where it's um, these people who are doing improv on the subway and everyone's, like, so mad about it. But then, like, the first scene, just, like, they're just, um, like, I, I kept having, like, two-person scenes. Like, I have to do, like, the, the ads across because, like, I without every all my sketches like what I was taught um, taking sketch class at the pit was like have three beats and so I'm always constantly thinking about like all right like I like having sketches with a whole lot of people in it so that we have a bigger cast and like what are like funny three beats that we can do and then um, now with my sketch team I have an amazing wonderful director Sean Kirsten Taylor he's my bud and he's just always like giving me good rewrites good notes to take in and ways to like play around with it and then uh, if someone. Like in the group has like something they want to talk about or like like an issue with it. Okay, cool. Let's like work around that and we'll figure it out. Because I had was one um, that one sketch like the first beat someone thought was a little too risque and like for so long like we we're trying to think of like what's a good idea to like make it like better so that it's not like too risque. And it's like oh pineapples because that pineapples are an improv. So <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that fixed everything luckily. Yeah, collaboration so important. Having good people to write with um, and get feedback from and like directors to keep you honest. Um, that's and that's improv's good for that too because like once you just find a core group of people and a stage to perform on, um, you can just wild ideas come out. And and that's another thing I, that I've learned when I like hunker down and like pull an all night or writing something, it's never like, I realized that when I did my um, improvised pilot show, when I wrote a pilot and I made it as funny as I could, but I definitely hit a wall and I was like, man, I, these are all the jokes I have for this. And I spent a million hours on it. Now here I am. And then I just cast my friends who are good at improv to, to do a stage reading of it and then improvise a second episode. And they were way funnier than what I wrote. And I'm like, right, because it's six. I mean, I, I like to think I'm kind of funny, but here's, you know, six hilarious people like just going in the energy, in the context, not trying, not like creating whiteboards and like, eventually this will be a funny script. You know, they're <laughs> actually out there doing it in the context and in, in living in those characters. And that's just a different vibe. Cause that's a funny thing too about, I think that's why it's so hard to talk about comedy um, and also part, well, part of why it's high, hard to write is that it takes a while improv being and stand up being sort of exceptions because they're so instant and the gratification so instant, but it takes a while to, for this is just sort of creation in general for like a stage or a movie, a stage play or a movie or something. It takes so long to resemble what it's supposed to resemble. And there's only so much of it that you can like push out of your head while thinking about all the other production stuff you have to think about. And I think I think a big thing, if you want to be funny, this is part of why improv and, and sketch and stand up are the most popular ways to consume and, and perform comedy rather than like more uh, expansive stuff. You really just want to get into a shape where you're doing something that resembles it more often, because the things you think that are funny on the page are going to not come out the way you think they will. And a lot of things you write on the page that you think is a throwaway or shouldn't be there winds up killing. 
you know, ends up being hilarious. And I, on that topic, um, I'd like to say that I've been to like a lot of open mics. Cause you know, you have friends who like have shows at I think Gotham or some other places, Bring, right? Like bringer shows. Yeah. Bringer shows. That's, yeah. So I've been to a lot of bringer shows and it's interesting because it's, there are some people who are kind of new in comedy that I've, I've been and I've supported, but you see a lot of people, um, cause they don't know who the other standups are and what their other sets are. So I, one time I saw a lot of guys come in and do a billion like sex jokes and it was two hours of just things about their penis. And I'm like, are we done? Are we <laughs> Sounds done? Sounds like a bringer show. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just like, please I'm like stop it. So I think and there's like 200 people in the audience listening to these listening to the the penis monologues for two hours (laughs) and it and so sometimes um you might be like oh this is risky and out there and crazy but no it's not not really but also i think that there's such a benefit in um doing it with a uh other comics as well and seeing what they're doing my point is sex jokes you know have their place yeah but they don't have to be everything they they be great. There could be some really great sex. There's jokes, a lot but, of great sex jokes. But when there's like when you're at a show like that, we're just like, please, just somebody talk about the weather or something. Because well, some <laughs> people think that oh, that not cloud looks people. like a penis. <laughs> right, right. Because what you were saying earlier, um, when it comes to comedy, it doesn't. Sometimes I feel like uh, the direction right off is to go to something that's potentially um, offensive or or sex related or you know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, that's. I mean, that's definitely a crutch. You in the know? new, in the yeah. beginning, in the beginning. And that's that's you see that especially in stand up, you see how much of a crutch that is when you watch someone like like Jim Gaffigan or someone of that ilk who's just a complete monster and so hilarious and squeaky clean the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And he's just like he's just going to talk about like different kinds of pizzas for 25 minutes, and you're going to be on the floor crying at how funny it is. Right. Um, no, because that's definitely a thing, and I think that's that's an interesting generational shift. Um, I'm just going to take a detour here and go personal. Um, my, my, my dad is interesting because my dad's a stage performer. Like he's a musician, he's a singer and guitar player. Um, and he never dabbled in comedy, but, uh, but he, you know, he's a, a big part of why I like comedy so much is I would see stand-up specials with him and he got me into it. Um, but he's a product of the, the seventies, eighties culture. So all of his favorite comedians tend to be very blue and offensive, very like, you know, Kinnison, Dice Clay, that ilk. Um, and he has trouble understanding why that's not popular anymore, why that style's not as popular as it once was. And I, and I realized that it's like, well, during that time, there were things that like were so crazy that you couldn't say them, especially not like on a stage or on TV. And it was just hilarious and cathartic to, to hear someone be so crass and offensive. And, uh, Nowadays, we all grew up seeing a guy shove a mason jar up his butt when we were seven years old on the internet. Or maybe that was just me. Yeah, that was just Maybe you were 17 when you saw that one. But it's kind of hard (laughs) to shock this generation because it was so easy for us to see things way worse than the grimiest comedian from the 80s. Mm -hmm. You know? And, like, not even funny. Just, like, weird stuff that your friends send you for some reason because you're in high school and this is strange. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting. I just feel like... uh... Comedy these days, I think, didn't Jerry Seinfeld say that he doesn't perform at colleges anymore because it's yeah. so PC? Chris Rock said something like that also. It's interesting. How do you guys deal with that, going through the comedy world and finding that audience? I think definitely with this era now that everybody, um, it's mostly PC, but at the same time, like it, it feels right that like we're not making us as, as all these like offensive jokes or like we're not like trying to like especially um like yesterday i was doing a set with my team and uh 
like me and me and my buddy, we were like both playing like very like misogynistic men, and then like this woman got on the subway, we're both being misogynistic. Then we both have this term, we're like, you know, we don't want to do this anymore. So like we literally like had to like slowly like close our legs and stop our man spreading, and like we both were like trying to become like better like adult men. And I think that's kind of just the era like that now everybody's like, no, like a lot of this, lot of this shit is wrong. Like let's make fun of um the like the the people like who have this uh conservative old school mentality still and um yeah because there i know there's a lot of comedians who won't go out to the college campuses and vice had a really interesting documentary about um how this young up-and-coming comedian who is a name for himself he needs to take that job and so he needs to like find the balance between the jokes that he won't offend people but then there was like uh judy gold was interviewed in there and she was saying like i like no like my my jokes like might be offensive and like if you're offended by it just like go away because uh i think people need to understand like what they're going to see like if you're going to see an anthony jessenek show you need to know what right. you're getting into yeah I'm a fan of Jesselneck, and like I know, like all right, like he's gonna say some really hard stuff. But right. then, um, yeah, if you don't want that, you don't want to be offended. There's Jim Gaffigan out there. Uh, John Mulaney had a really great special. Great. Yeah, I love Pan. Pan is also my absolute favorite. I yeah, love great. Annihilation on Netflix so much. Not to be too controversial, but just just throw it out there for listeners. Louis C.K. is doing stand up in New York City again. Mm-hmm. Just so you guys know. Yeah. <laughs> my friend posted yeah. a, that thing, and I was like, oh, I didn't know he was getting back into it. But that is no um, comment. Yeah, of course. I'm just letting everyone know, listening, like, oh, interesting. I didn't know he was getting into it. Yes, he has tickets for like twelve bucks. Isn't that crazy? Wow. You go from like I don't, I don't really know he was huge he was huge yeah. you go from being huge to like $12 tickets that's what they pay at the pit it's I've it's seen him enough and I've taken enough influence in the past and I you know he should he should probably just enjoy his money yeah and, yeah as someone who had to take him off his off off my personal route mountain rush more I think he could he could just he could just be rich right take the money you know and go yeah and like be a dad it's interesting it's, so away from that, I just yeah. wanted to mention that to but, our listeners. Uh, no, the, 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 the PC era, part of it, I appreciate the challenge. You know, I like that, especially when I first started trying to write funny stuff, even before I, I was really confident enough to do it on stage in front of people. Um, I very early on, you know, you, you, the things that make you that make you laugh as a as a uh, young adult man, boy, um, which is how I describe myself until about twenty four. Um, they tend to be a bit a bit crutchy or like I would just try to write what I, you know, I would try to write something like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, even though that's already been done. Um, I like that there's I kind of like that there's so many hoops that you kind of have to jump through now because I get to have fun with those. You know, you like I get to to play little misdirections of like, ooh, this might go somewhere a little uh, this might go somewhere that might make people a little unhappy. And then it doesn't. You know, like that relief is a fun toy to play with. Um, but also it's it's it kind of shows you that it, it it really I've just chosen to really I'm also not a political I've never done political comedy at all. Um the way I look at politics is is kind of it doesn't really reflect the way most people do, so I find it unrelatable. Because that's the thing is on one hand you're losing the crutches of like shock comedy, but on the other hand, there's a new crutch. Where you can just say something everyone agrees with, and you get a loud response, and Trump, it's not right? laughter. Mm-hmm. Trump, yeah. You can say anything. Yeah, you can be anti-Trump, or you can be anti. Um, you know, here's the thing that's easy for me to do is I, it's very easy for me to play uh, a villain of a of a in a sketch or an improv show, or so, or even as a, as a 
less in stand-up because you're supposed to be yourself. But um, an improv or a sketch is very easy for me to play a villain of an evil of of, of the embodiment of evil white guys. Hmm. Um, it's very easy yeah. for that character to land. Same here, especially because yeah, Matt, also, Matt and I have good reputations, and people know that that's not actually us. So it's fun for us to play with that. But I do it too much, and it gets old quick. Right, you know. And I want to. Um, we only have a few more minutes left, but I want to say something about Good Morning New York musical and, and comedy. We had a joke that we had to take out because it was a little the. I, it might have been too controversial for the audience. Do you guys remember what the joke was? So it was right at the time where there was something that happened. All right, let me see. So right when the family separations were going on at the border mm-hmm. is when we were launching on our 30-seat theater run. And there was a joke in one of the opening songs or this third song in the show where Betty says, um, oh, I wish there was free champagne Oh, because I'm a dreamer, not like the undocumented immigrant thing. Uh, I'm just the yeah. a believer, you know, the yeah. first one. And that's when there were protests happening and there was outrage. And we're like, I wasn't. It was like a small little immigration joke that we dropped. And we're not going to bring it back in. We've changed it. Um, but it's interesting because I also have a joke about STDs and Tinder. And I also have a joke about opioids. And those still land. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's interesting of the time of the day, of the time you're in, how a joke will work or it won't work. And sometimes people don't even know that they're laughing at something that they probably wouldn't laugh at if they weren't in a theater. Yeah. Well, that's uh, John in the show is blaming his sister for that. Like, that's always funny. Like, yeah, people want to make fun of their siblings all the time. So yeah. that's, that's a timeless joke. Also, it's interesting because a lot of the time... Um, Sort of what I've been taught by the elder statesmen uh, who've initiated me into this world um, have been that's really for the civilians to decide. To, to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I understand that this way of looking at it is changing, and I'm probably saying something a little old school, and, and I'll probably have to update it. But like, I know the idea for a long time was if, if you're a comedian, you kind of have to, you're not supposed to be offended by anything anymore. Like, you you're allowed to agree with civilians when they say so but you you're not supposed to initiate the i don't think this is good like i don't think this is there like that's for the the audience that's for the normal people who live normal lives to decide because our purpose is to entertain them right and there's a comedian that says that when bad things happen the jokes are there immediately but they wait for the right time to deliver them that sounds right i don't know what comedian it was but someone said that. Yeah, that that feels right. I, that feels like something I've learned after making that mistake a few times. Right, because I have so many jokes just that I always want to say, but I'm like, nope, can't do it, can't do it. Right, and then get, you and then you wait until you can get away with it as long as you say too soon after, and that's when you do it. Right, so that's why Good Morning New York when it goes off Broadway, um, that's why it's staying in the time frame of 2017 to 2018. I'm not changing the time because though that was the script of the time. It's, I'm making it like stuck in that time period because the script goes to it and the problems of the day go to it. So as we go to Off-Broadway, I'm not going to change it. And that's, that's I think what that it's going to be. Because this is a really unique time and I think people are going to remember it one way or the other. Right. So I'm not, but I'm not going to like in 2018, if there's like some kind of STD outbreak in oh, New York God. City, the Tinder joke is staying. No. no, I'm just joking. I might kill it. But I don't want to. I really don't want to. Because that's I don't the think first joke to. of the show. <laughs> uh, anyway, by the way, Good Morning New York doesn't swing right or left. It is centered and it has a universal message of believing in yourself. Just so you know. And it's not about politics, like at all. 
No. Yeah, I mentioned Trump once. I don't even. I refuse to mention fake news. I hate that phrase. Yeah. It can go away. That far, one backfired. Far away. Who said <laughs> fake news? Oh, the one that you gave a fake news joke. No, no, no. I'm saying the phrase backfired on the first. I don't remember who came up with it, but whoever came up with it, it wound up meaning the opposite thing. Right. Yeah. It backfired on everybody. Yeah. Now all the outlets are fake news, and then now like everyone with a phone is a journalist, and it's like I can't. I gotta. I don't. I hate that phrase. So that's our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys had fun. I know How, I did. What's, yeah. what's your Instagram again if they want to contact you? That's at Vogel Comedy. That's the best way to, to find out what I'm doing. Uh, Instagram at Vogel Comedy. Uh, on Facebook, you can friend me at Matthew W.J. Mitchell. And Instagram at Matthew W.J. Mitchell. And if you want to hire me to tech your show, mattmitch927 at gmail.com. What's your Gmail? You're a tech too. Vogelcomedy <laughs> at gmail.com. And it's funny that you said friend me on Facebook. Oh, that's... Yeah, friend me on Facebook. I don't want strangers to fit me. Oh, dude, comedians, uh, Facebook is linked in for us. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm I have like thousands of people and I communicate with uh, with on daily and that's how I know when shows are happening. That's where I get a lot of my work. Oh, like no. for teching shows. I'm Facebook also, is LinkedIn for us. I'm also on LinkedIn, but I'm not on there. Don't connect with me. <laughs> I <laughs> used to be on LinkedIn when I worked in sales. I was on LinkedIn all the time. And Ooh. now I don't touch it. Interesting. Now I use Facebook the exact way I used to use LinkedIn. I did, I'm happy that we clarified that because I'm like, why are you asking people the Facebook friend? Yeah, you? yeah, yeah why not? Uh, you're a good face. You're both good <laughs> Facebook friends. And I'm Jacqueline Thrapp. That's my Jacqueline Thrapp. Jacqueline Thrapp. Friend her on Facebook. Don't friend me on Facebook. I'm not going to accept it. But follow me but on Twitter. Will. Follow me on Instagram. Good Morning New York Musical is on Instagram too. GoodMorningNewYorkMusical.com is the website. You can buy shirts from there. And like and rate this podcast. Remember the promo code, people. Remember yeah. the promo code. If you don't two ends, two ends, and if you didn't hear it, then you're gonna have to go back and find it in the podcast, or you're not getting that free shirt. Or Google words with two ends and process of elimination <laughs> it. And if you don't win the shirt, you can always use the promo code podcast to get two bucks off. Ooh, hey, there you go. There's Thanks. a second program promo code. Thanks, guys. Uh,